you're listening to Go Check Yourself. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Chuck versus the fake name. You know, I have never had a fake name, at least not that I want to tell you, but when I was younger, I was jealous because my my name has four letters. There's not really a lot of uh, room for nicknames, but that was something that I really wanted because a lot of my friends had nicknames because they had longer names. So when I used to get those little, I don't, I don't know if you were ever given one of these, but the kind of things that like police would give out where you would fill out like your name and your weight and your height and your eye color and your like unique features and scars so that if you were ever kidnapped, there would be this book that would be uh, easy to identify you with. Is that, is that weird? Is that weirder than what I'm about to say? I don't know. I had one of those. And in the nickname field, I thought, you know, I'd really like to have a nickname. And the name that I settled on as a nickname was Jennifer, because uh, my nickname is multiple letters, multiple syllables longer than my uh, my name that I actually had. So I, I guess I just wanted to be named Jennifer or I, I don't know. I I tried to make it happen. I tried to make people call me Jenny as a nickname, but uh, they didn't. It didn't happen. So that is why today I'm hosting this podcast as Erin Arata as opposed to Jennifer Arata. But, you know, never say never. As we learned in this episode, there's there's plenty of fake names to go around. I could start going by a fake name at any point. So maybe by the end of this episode, I'll be introducing myself as Jennifer. I'm not sure, but you're about to find out. Before you do, though, remember that you can always email us at uh, gochuckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com, or you can tweet at us at gochuckpodcast on Twitter for some great Chuck-related content, and maybe uh, from me, Jennifer, some completely unrelated content that Chris does not understand. But let's jump in. Chuck versus the fake name starting now. fans, young and old, and maybe just some who are young at heart. Welcome to this program. This is Go Chuck Yourself. It's a podcast where we talk about the television program Chuck episode by episode, one episode at a time. You will never, ever, ever find us talking about more than one episode of Chuck. It would just be kind of ludicrous. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Chuck versus the fake name. And uh, (laughs) typically when we open the program, I would be saying, my name, but in the spirit of the show of Chuck versus fake names, I have uh, tapped our friends at behindthename.com and their <laughs> random name generator. Oh, good. And I have received my new name. Uh, and so <laughs> this is Quintilius Southers <laughs> welcoming you to go check yourself. Uh, behind uh, Behindthename.com also provides... Other information besides a random name, uh, it says that my nationality is Italian. Yes, go Italy. We love Italy. Uh, Oh, good, good, good. We hope that if you're listening in Italy, that you're staying well during this tough time. And uh, please listen to Chuck versus uh, El Angel de la Morte for our celebration of Italy. Uh, (laughs) My name, once again, is Quintilius Southers. I just generated a name for myself. Okay, who are you? Who's my co-host today? Well, well, uh, Qu- well, Quintilius, I am Diana Hania, Diana Hania, Diana Hania, 
That's me. Everybody's having Diana Hena Hania Mania. That's what that's what we're doing today. Um, did you get all these other random life facts about you yourself? No, those did not come up for me. My age is 41. I was born on June 17th, 1978 at 223 AM. All of this once again is completely randomly where, generated by the internet. Where did where how did you get this? Um Oh wait, 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 wait. I can say uh generate life story. Yes. Okay. You but now I have a different name, but you you go through yours. Okay. Uh I'm five foot six inches. 196 pounds. I'm right-handed. My blood type is O positive. And future outlook, uh, I'm going to be dying on June 9th, 2055, at the age of 76 because of heart disease. Oh, I have heart disease too. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, it's a predominant killer of people. Yes, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, I am, I now have another name, which mm-hmm. is Jose Valentine. My gender is masculine. It's not um it's not male or female. It is masculine, much like uh the the guy wanted a masculine child. I, I am that masculine child. You are um, my my type is adult, my nationality is French, my language is French, bonjour. My age is forty-eight. I was born um February nineteenth, nineteen seventy-two at three forty PM. I'm five foot seven and 165 pounds. I have a positive blood type, much like you, mm-hmm. Quint- Quint- Chris, not Quintilius. Right. Um, my death date is uh, August 6, 2040 at 4.32 a.m. from heart disease. My lifespan mm-hmm. will be 68, which I d- does that math check out 72 to 2040? Is that 68 years? I, I assume that they're correct. I would. Yeah, I I would assume that they're correct. The fine folks at behind the name.com. This the, is fun. The number Can we just one, do this instead? The number one random name generator of the hosts of Go Chuck Yourself. We here at uh, Go Chuck Yourself are not here to talk about random names, although that would be fun. We are here to talk about Chuck. And we're going to be diving into that episode right now. Aaron, or I'm sorry, Diana Mania or Jose whatever your name is valentine jose valentine so many fake names which one's the real name no one knows yep all right here i go despite the fact that she was pretty cool about chuck's secret relationship in the last episode ellie begins this episode in an anxiety spiral wondering why chuck would have kept this from her we find out that devin played it off as if hannah was the secret he and chuck shared but ellie is hurt by this too she asks Devin if he's hiding anything else from her, then checks his pulse, which she says is racing. He's doing, like, upside-down leg pull-ups at this time, though, so he just says, I'm exercising, which I thought was pretty funny. He also tells her to go talk to Chuck and tell him how she feels. She agrees to do that. Ellie enters Chuck's apartment. How? I don't know. Does she have keys? I guess that's not that crazy, but it, uh, she also just seems like she could just walk right in there. But wait, so if Morgan lives in this apartment now... So does that mean that the Morgan door is retired and the Morgan door has since become the Ellie ah, door? I don't think Ellie came in through the window. That was not uh, what I imagined happening in the scene. But I guess, yeah, I guess the Morgan door is now the Ellie door. So Ellie enters and stands outside the bathroom door where the shower is on to deliver her speech about how she misses when she and Chuck were closer and wishes he felt comfortable sharing about his girlfriend. When the shower turns off and the door opens, I thought it was going to be like a naked Morgan or some type of gag like that. But in fact, it's Hannah in a towel. Hannah and Ellie have an awkward introduction before Chuck comes in with donuts. Everyone is even more awkward until Hannah says she has to go get dressed. 
Ellie congratulates Chuck, but gives him an abridged version of her speech. He apologizes to her for being weird and cagey recently, but comes up with the idea of hosting a double date dinner that night with Devin, Ellie, Hannah, and Chuck. He says he'll make his famous chicken pepperoni, which I'm honestly curious about what that is. Ellie says she's just glad Chuck is moving on from Sarah. We cut to Sarah and Shaw eating a romantic lunch. Unfortunately for Shaw, Sarah interrupts dessert to say she's noticed a pattern in herself of dating or falling for guys she works with, so she wants to set up better professional personal boundaries and stop any relationship between them before it starts. I thought that was very mature of her. Good for you, Sarah. She knows herself. Shaw takes the news well, saying he's disappointed but respects her wishes, and then they continue some sort of mission they're on, tranking and kidnapping some guy named Rafe Groomer. I guess no one knows what Rafe looks like, but he's just been hired as an assassin by the Ring, so this new mission is for Chuck to assume Rafe's identity so he can find out what the Ring is planning. When Chuck arrives in high spirits, Casey guesses that Chuck must have gotten lucky last night, and Sarah, a little uncomfortably, tells Chuck he's going to have to assume an alias. Sarah says that assuming an alias is unlike anything Chuck's done before, but I've heard that before, and I'll be the judge of if it's actually different or if they're just saying. (laughs) When Casey brings his bag of tools into Rafe's cell to torture some information out of him, Chuck follows him in to interview Rafe and get into character. Rafe is a sort of Jason Statham type, and he refuses to answer any of Chuck's questions about his career choices and his toughest hit, but Chuck is able to at least learn Rafe's speaking patterns. When Rafe's ring phone uh, rings, Chuck answers in his Rafe voice to get his assignment. Something to note here is that Casey keeps calling Chuck Bartowski, like, right in front of Rafe. And, like, that's Chuck's real name. So, like, I know they're not, like, thinking immediately, like, oh, Rafe is going to escape. But, like, it's weird that Casey's just, like, throwing out Chuck's, like, personal information in front of this bad guy. Did you Mm -hmm. think that was weird? It's weird. As it turns out, Morgan is away at a leadership seminar, so that's why he's not here this episode. I don't know what uh, Joshua Gomez was doing, but not being in this episode. Our old friend Big Mike is back, baby. Finally. There's there's apparently been some sort of inventory mix-up, and the store has ended up with a lot of crockpots. So Big Mike has set up a gumbo station, complete with (laughs) Mardi Gras decorations, and he forces Jeff and Lester to make gumbo so the store will smell good and convince people to buy crockpots. To get out of this, Jeff and Lester start coughing and pretending to be sick, but Big Mike just tells them to wash their hands. Big Mike is not following the rules of social distancing. You gotta be safe or you might be sorry. He's telling them to wash their hands. Well, he's telling them to wash their hands, but if they're coughing, they shouldn't be serving. Even if even if he suspects they're faking, that's that's not good, Big Mike. Chuck has been aggressively cuddly with Hannah throughout all of this, like on the sales floor. He tells Casey he needs to be done with their mission in time to cook dinner. Casey is not impressed. In Castle, Sarah is checking Rafe's handcuffs. I don't really know what she's doing here. Like, she's handcuffing him, but I don't know why he wasn't cuffed before. Gotta make sure those handcuffs, how are they they doing? Yep. Seems like they're still cuffing. They're good. All right. How's that one? Yeah, still. All right. Can't move your hands. All right. Good. All right. Yep. All right. All right. Cool. Looks good. Are you comfortable? No. Good. Okay. So uh, he's he's kind of uh, like aggressively flirty. Like he's he uh, doesn't he isn't very nice to her. He's he's kind of threatening, but in a flirtatious way. Um, Basically catcalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the right. Yeah, exactly. Rafe tells Sarah he could take good care of a woman like her. While Shaw looks on from behind a two way mirror. 
When Sarah comes back out, Shaw casually says, one quick thing I have to do first, then goes back in to punch Rafe in the head. And I laughed at that. Like, mm. I, I know I've been a little uh, weird about Shaw in the in the past couple episodes, but I thought this was pretty funny. I just liked how casually he was like, I got to do one quick thing. Also bad at social distancing are Chuck and Hannah, who continue to kiss on the sales floor, like in front of customers. They're just it's kissing. <laughs> it's a very inappropriate level of PDA for the workplace. Yes. It's, it's yes, like definitely I feel like they have the level of PDA that like two eighth graders have who have newly started <laughs> yes. dating. Like they're just like yes. jo- attached at the hip and just constantly just it's like too much. It's too much, Chuck. Yeah. Yes. So Hannah is about to go off on an install. So Chuck suggests that he pick her up before dinner, I guess from the store. But I don't know why he's going to add yet another thing to his full plate. He already has a mission and a job. Chuck, you have to be better at planning. With slick back hair and a black jacket, Chuck returns to Castle to ask where he's going for his mission, which didn't he answer the ring phone? Shouldn't he know where he's going? I don't know. Casey looks very dapper in a black peacoat, and he insists on going along with Chuck. Rafe's meeting is with some godfather-type men in an empty restaurant. They seem to recognize Casey, but they can't place him. Chuck tries to distract them from this, but he's caught off guard when one of the men asks him about his toughest hit. He plays this off incredibly, though. He slams an espresso cup down on the table, threatening the men for asking him personal questions, then he bursts out laughing. He adds a line to live by, which is, your toughest hit's always your next one. You forget that, then you die. Mm. I think we should remember that. Yeah, I wrote it down. I jotted it down just to remember that movie forward. Yeah, yep. I enjoyed Chuck being Rafe. I think the acting... Zachary Levi was doing a good job of kind of transforming his mannerisms. Was it a little, I feel like there was a little bit of disconnect because they, the other characters are like, oh, Chuck's not good at lying or Chuck won't be able to do this well. And then Chuck does it really well, I think. And that maybe is not ideal, but I thought that overall the effect was, was very positive. I was impressed by how easily he was able to be un-Chuck-like and become Rafe. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I don't think we see Zachary Levi play a lot of characters like in that vein. Like he's yeah. really more like like the coolest he's been is probably like Flynn Rider and Flynn Rider is still like not that cool. Like he's mm-hmm. still a, a Disney prince sort of. Mm-hmm. So not even just cool, but he's like usually I don't know. I feel like Rafe is kind of like an anti-hero or at least Chuck's Rafe, yes, not the actual yeah. Rafe. But yeah. I, it would yeah. be interesting to see him be a villain. Yeah, well, it. it it could happen. It. I feel like it probably will happen at some point. Oh, you heard it here first from uh, Julio. I don't remember what your name is. Julio Val- Jose, uh, Jose, Jose Valentine. Valentine or Diana Heinia. These are the the known aliases of Who, what what known villain do you think would be best for Zachary Levi to play? I think we should answer that question. It. What kind of villain? Like a historical villain? A a superhero villain. I was thinking like like in an adapt in an adaptation of some like book or comic. I guess the only thing I can think of is comics. Okay. Um I I don't feel like he should be a a villain from history. I think that gets into tricky. I mean, if you have one in mind, but um <laughs> Well, okay, like what's a what's like a at a, a weird villain? He could be like like dark side. Yeah. That's, that's that's who he could be. I'm trying to think because I was like trying to think of like nerdy villains. And then I was like, no, we want him to be playing like way against type. What if he was in when they eventually reboot Star Wars in some way? What if he was like okay. a, a, a 
a villain in Star Wars. That would be cool. A Kylo Ren kind of role. That would be kind of interesting. That would like be kind of interesting. But I feel like that's what Adam Driver like. I feel like Adam Driver is kind of a like. Like kind of a. Zachary Levi type, like a comedic actor who was then cast as Kylo Ren. Like, I feel like he could I feel like he could do it. But anyway, this was fun. <laughs> what if Zachary Levi was in Marriage Story? <laughs> yeah i i feel like if you told me he had audition for that like i don't know if they had auditions for that but i feel like if you told me he was in the running i'd be like yeah that's that seems he right should. he should do more serious dramatic work like Could that, you, that would, okay now i'm thinking about it like i really liked marriage story but like that would be pretty good to see him in like that kind of serious like like to see him like punch a wall or like yell at people yeah like that, wow because he's usually kind of hammy or like kind yeah. of like a funny no. like sweet yeah but to have him be that kind of real or then on the flip side what if adam driver was the role of chuck in <laughs> the television show chuck that i can't picture <laughs> he's just like don't freak out you know he he's just a man adam driver is like a man and i feel like chuck is like a boy i'm just picturing like joshua gomez and adam driver <laughs> that's great on, i like Morgan. that Sarah, I have feelings for you. I don't know if this is going to work out. Okay. <laughs> My Adam Driver is pretty good. It's really good. I have, okay, I have a villain idea. Um, what if... So, this is just moving back to that, but Joshua Gomez, we know, made an appearance on Lucifer. So uh-huh. what if, what if um, Zachary Levi played someone from the Bible who's a villain? <laughs> and the big screen adaptation of the Bible? Yeah. The first testament? Be, or... uh, he could be, he could be uh, Judas. <laughs> He'd be good. I like, I like it. He would be I, a good Judas. I could see that. Yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Good conversation. Can you, can you say one more thing as Adam Driver? Your toughest mission is always your next one. Forget that <laughs> and you die. It's really good. It's it's really good. Okay. Sarah and Shaw listened to uh, the interaction between Scotty and Maddie, who are the two mobsters that are interacting with Chuck and Casey. Sarah looks upset and Shaw asks if she's okay. And she says that taking on an alias must be tough for Chuck since he's a bad liar. Shaw says that Chuck is living the lie. But Sarah argues that she and Shaw are used to living other people's lives. She doesn't remember where her job ends and her own life begins. In the restaurant, Chuck asks the name of the ring's target, but Scotty finally remembers why he recognizes Casey. He says that Casey looks like a young hotshot sniper that he served with in the past named Alex Coburn. Chuck flashes on this name, and it indeed is a top-secret mission involving an island shaped like a crescent moon. Casey doesn't deny this, and Scotty and Maddie and all of their mobster friends are put on high alert and take out their guns. Chuck asks Scotty if he's implying that John, his guy, is a cop, to which Scotty says that it is what he's implying, and he wonders what that means for Chuck. Chuck, committing to his role as Rafe, punches Casey in the face and says that if he's a cop, he'll kill Casey himself. We cut to a commercial break, and when we return, Casey is duct taped to a chair in the restaurant. All the mobsters are gathered around as Chuck points uh, his gun at Casey. It's nice that they were also patient and accommodating to set Casey up like this, rather than just insisting that Chuck kill Casey immediately on the floor. Yeah, like, that no, was nice of them. Put him in the chair, sit him up, dictate him. We'll we'll take a little while. We'll make this more dramatic and probably messier. Um, Scotty asks Chuck what he's waiting for, and Chuck says that he's not a murderer; he's an assassin. 
He doesn't kill for fun. He kills for information. Chuck asks Casey uh, who his informant is, and Casey tells him that he won't say anything. Scotty says that he has something he's been saving for a special occasion like this and takes out a package of surgical and dental instruments. Chuck asks if the tools are sterile and says that he wants to kill Casey. He doesn't want Casey to die from a secondhand infection, which is a, a funny little line. Scotty doesn't really know, but Chuck selects. Um, Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know, but Chuck selects some. Oh, it was like a plier or some. It looks like yeah, it's yeah. A, a device designed to remove a tooth. Um, yes. He brings that over to Casey and Casey seems to be concerned, but then indicates to Chuck that he needs him to remove one of his teeth to maintain their cover. Chuck does so and it's intense, but not that graphic. I would think that Casey would be like spewing up blood if he just had a tooth pulled out. But he seems like he's okay. Yeah, he seems okay. It's just, but yeah, I was like, Jesus. Like, there were a couple <laughs> times this episode that I just yelled the name of our Lord. I'm glad that they committed to that because I feel like in some episodes, I don't really have hard evidence for this, but they they allude to this scene, but they would never actually go as far as having Chuck remove Casey's tooth to, to yeah, save their like cover. Yeah, like something would interrupt them or something. Yeah, it would be like, like that's when Sarah burst through the door or whatever, but. Yeah. She's not, well. She does burst through the door with a SWAT team moments after Casey has already lost a tooth. The various members of the SWAT team apprehend everyone. Chuck is pushed to the side by an agent who turns out to be Sarah. And Chuck reveals that he's freaking out. But Sarah tells him that he needs to maintain his alias and, quote, live the lie. He needs to do what Rafe would do. Chuck takes this advice and flashes on Kung Fu and then uses his Kung Fu moves to take out all of the SWAT agents, including Sarah and Shaw. Chuck, Scotty, and Maddie run out of the restaurant, and I guess they're the new central trio of the show now? Yeah. The, the rest of the series is just about Chuck living as Rafe, living an undercover life at the Bymore while Maddie lives across the plaza from his apartment. And I'd Scotty, watch that. Scotty wears scantily clad clothing as an employee of the Orange Orange. It's a very, very different show moving forward. I'd watch that too. As they run out of the restaurant, Maddie tells Chuck that they'll be in touch with the name of the person they want him to assassinate. They're really just dragging this out. Just tell him the name. Maybe shoot yeah. him a text. Send an yeah. email. Get that info out. Why do they got to say it in person? Why are they such a buildup? But uh, Maddie and Scott thank Chuck for taking care of everything in there. And Chuck says, it's my job. Inside the restaurant, Sean, Sarah, and the rest of the SWAT team wake up and untie Casey from the chair. Casey clenches his jaw and says, Bartowski really sold it, huh? For a second there, I didn't even recognize him. And Sarah looks concerned because she has the constant fear of being the one to kill Chuck's innocence. And it seems that Chuck's innocence is very quickly dying. An hour or so later, Chuck returns to Castle complaining that he missed his heart out at five o'clock, which is when his date was or when he needs to get back to, to prepare for his date. Chuck doesn't know how he's going to cook dinner and clean his apartment in time before his dinner guests come over. And I just have to say a note on hard outs. I think hard outs suck both for the people that have them and the people who have to accommodate the people that have them. Like, is it, is what it is always a, just like, what is if, a hard out? Like I have a hard out at five o'clock, you know, like I got to well, be done that, by five o'clock. Why, why is it? Why is, why do you think it sucks to have like your own personal time that you are like, you're adamant that this is my time now. And this is like, if like, would a hard out be like, like if your job is nine to five and it's five o'clock and your boss is like, hey, you got to keep you got to stay here. Like, I think that sucks. If but I say to you, Chris, I have to be done recording by three o'clock because that's when uh, Dancing with the Stars is on. Like, that's that's my heart out. That's my right as a human being. I guess so. But they just make things so so hard to accommodate for, you know, because people are like, 
the timer just starts ticking. It's well, like, I got if, a heart out of five. If, like, well, now we got to accommodate Chuck like, and his heart out at five. Well, what if he didn't use the phrase hard out? What if he just said, I have to be done by five? Would you feel better about it? No, because it's still a hard out. It's just disguised. So you have to say the only way that you will allow people to associate with you or do work or activities is if it's an unspecified amount of time and it's just nebulous and it could last short or long. It doesn't matter. Yes. Everybody has to be available at all times for you. If there's anything that you should have learned from collaborating on this podcast with me for two years, it's that that's how I operate. All right. You're right. Uh, Anyhow, Casey is the only one in Castle at this time and tells Chuck that Sarah and Shaw split off to go to Chuck's apartment to cook and clean on his behalf. Chuck is taken aback and Casey says, I know, Walker helping you get laid. Weird. Chuck apologizes about Casey's tooth and Casey says that it's all right and then takes out a small glass vial from his pocket containing the tooth and says that it had a cavity in it anyway. And he thanks Chuck for saving him a trip to the dentist. Um, I don't think that's what, how they treat cavities, but that's fine. It's pulling a out a metal tooth. Way. Yeah. Yeah. It might be easier to get a filling than yeah. uh, get your tooth removed. But yes, the big thing is that Casey says that he's proud of Chuck for doing a good job. That doesn't usually happen. Oh, thanks, Casey. Two other CIA handlers walk in at this time with the real Rafe and Rafe mutters, you think you can be me? And then, as if this man isn't an incredibly dangerous spy, the CIA handlers bring him over to Chuck and Casey, like, really close. There's no need for this, but (laughs) maybe they're trying to go towards the door. I'm not really sure. Anyhow, since he's closer to them, Rafe yells, you think you could be me? And he attempts to attack Chuck. Casey punches Rafe in the face, which is apparently one of the themes of this episode is getting punched in the face. Yep. And Rafe falls to the floor where he notices a buy more pen. The CIA handlers, without apologizing for their bad decision-making skills, usher Rafe out of Castle. Chuck, unfazed by this, asks Casey why he flashed on the name Alex Coburn, and Casey gets defensive and tells him to mind his own business. Hmm. 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 Back at the Bymore, Gumbo Fest is in full swing. (laughs) That is a sentence I never thought I'd say on this show, but (laughs) there you go. Uh, Chuck walks in confused by everything and half-heartedly looks for a pen in his pocket protector, but he can't find one. He walks up to Hannah, who is standing at the nerd her desk, wearing a, a, I guess it's a blouse. It's not necessarily a dress, but she's. Oh, I she's thought dre- it was a dress, but yeah, she looks nice. Yeah, in a later shot, you can see she's wearing jeans, but uh, I see. Uh, she's dressed up. And so why is she dressed up at work? I don't know. Were they just meeting well, at the buy more? My, yeah, my assumption was that she went off on an install, but she was coming back to the buy more. So my assumption was that she just changed there. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Big Mike, Jeff and Lester watch this from the gumbo station and comment how popular Chuck is with the ladies. We have a fun moment where the three of them reminisce about the girl from Stanford, a.k.a. Jill, and then the girl with the overpriced deli, a.k.a. Lou, some uh, ghosts from the past. Jeff says that none of them matter because when Chuck sees Sarah, his eyes light up in a really unique and special way. Big Mike starts to cry and tear up, but he then blames the onions that he's cutting up for the gumbo. I wonder if Big Mike is still with Bologna at this point. Maybe the relationship is, well, maybe they're on the rocks. Maybe that's why he's getting emotional thinking about couples, you know? Or maybe he loves her so much that he's like, maybe he's about to propose and he's thinking, wow, I'm just so lucky. That's true. He's an emotional guy. Yeah, he really is. Back in Chuck's apartment, Sarah and Shaw are putting the finishing touches on dinner when they hear Chuck, Hannah, Ellie, and Devin approaching. We're led to believe that Sarah and Shaw might get caught in the act, but when Chuck opens the door, all they find is a beautiful dinner spread and a wonderful aroma. Devin asks Chuck how he did this all since he was working all day. And this is a great question. How did Chuck do all of this? Like, allegedly. 
He and Hannah are coming from the buy more and Chuck is entering his locked apartment. Candles are already burning on the table. Are we led to believe that Chuck did this during the day, including lighting candles, went back to work to pick up Hannah and then came back to his empty apartment? Hell yeah. That's it. That's the explanation. Like how? What? Chuck is a wizard? That's what Zachary Levi should play. He should play a wizard. <laughs> well, he could be in one of the one of the many Fantastic Beast sequels that are going to be happening. Oh, he I could, could play a young Voldemort. I could Voldemort. see that. Yeah, I could. I, that wouldn't be that crazy. Yeah. I feel like he'd have a goatee in that. Yeah. Well, if they get rid of Johnny Depp, then he could play Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. That could be his his switch. And we collectively, as a civilization, have gotten rid of Johnny Depp, it seems. so. Yes. Yeah. We're working on it. Chuck pulls Devin over for a sidebar in the kitchen while Ellie and Hannah talk in the living room. Chuck tells Devin that he didn't do anything for dinner, but Devin asks him to stop confiding in him because he doesn't want to keep lying to Ellie. Chuck says that he understands and whenever Ellie asks him a question moving forward, he should just say that he doesn't know because that's not technically a lie. At dinner, that's Ellie- fair. I I don't know why. I mean, I guess like it's it's valid that Chuck wants to unburden himself on someone, especially since like Sarah was his main outlet and he doesn't really have that right now. Mm. But like, it's also pretty selfish of him to be like, like he didn't need to be like, Hey man, like I didn't do any of this. Like there was no point other than like relieving his conscience, I guess. Yeah. At dinner, Ellie says I'm a liar and proceeds to say how she always lied about liking Chuck's chicken pepperoni, but now says that uh, in all honesty, she thinks it's delicious. Chicken pepperoni, incidentally, I thought was a made-up dish, but uh, as we were recording this episode, I looked it up. It's a real thing. The Pioneer Woman says it's an easy 15-minute recipe. It's basically just chicken with pepperoni on it. I see. This sounds good. It's a chicken pepperoni bake, and it's supposed to be like pizza. I think this has cheese. Ooh. Oh, this one has cheese as well. That sounds good. Mm. Get Ooh, a little, Rachel Ray has one. Getting a little hungry. Good on, yeah. good on Chuck. I bet this was a, a nice dinner. Yeah. Chuck tries to brush off the compliments for his dinner, but Ellie insists that Chuck's chicken pepperoni is usually horrible. Ellie asks for Devin's confirmation that Chuck's chicken is moist, but Devin is stunned and doesn't know what to say. So Ellie asks Hannah if she thinks that Chuck's chicken is moist and Hannah ignores the question completely and decides to make a toast. She says that life is often filled with times of discontent, but in this moment, she knows that she's exactly where she's meant to be. And she thanks the Bartowskis and Devin for making her feel like she belongs and everyone clinks their wine glasses. It was weird. It, it was weird. It, are it we was just, a little uncomfortable. Are we just terrible people? Is Hannah just a nice human being? No, she's not. It's she's weird. Just, it's, she's earnest. She's like emotionally intelligent, it seems. Yeah, okay. Maybe we are terrible people. We're emotional idiots. <laughs> but it's weird. It felt weird to me. It felt uncomfortable. Well, it's just, it's weird because that wasn't the vibe. Like, because Ellie was just like, wow, mm-hmm. this chicken is so moist. And Hannah was like, I'm so happy to be here with you all. You make me feel like a better person. Like, it's like the it's like when the guy came up to Chuck and was like, being in love has made me a better man. Like, how about you? Like, it's it's just not the vibe of this dinner. That's true. She yeah. is just not the place. She just met these people. Yeah. It's kind of she's yeah. coming on really strong. But that, yes. then again, that's kind of her thing. She comes on yeah. strong. That's true. Maybe that's maybe it's just a character detail and it's not that she's insane. Sarah watches their dinner from the security feed in Castle, and she looks really sad. Shaw enters with a duffel bag full of Tupperware and tells her that he managed to sneak them out some extra chicken. Sarah says that she's not hungry and that she's clocking out for the night and exits, leaving Shaw a little taken aback. 
See, Sarah didn't say, I have a heart out now. She's just like, I'm leaving. I'm done. You're like, okay. Meanwhile, so is that okay? If if someone just leaves and doesn't tell you they have a heart out? Well, it's implied that she's done a full day and she's tired, you know? So in that case, it's okay. Anyhow, Rafe is keeping himself busy during his car ride with the CIA by using the Buy More pen to uh, pick his handcuffs. The next day, Chuck is at the Buy More standing at the nerd her desk playing with Rafe's cell phone. Hannah comes up and asks if it's a new kind of electronic device, and Chuck says that it is. She then continues to invite Chuck to dinner with her parents that night. She admits that she knows it's kind of forward and it's kind of soon, but she had such a good time with Chuck's family that she wanted him to meet hers. Chuck agrees very... He's very lukewarm about the whole thing, but he agrees it'll (laughs) do it. He doesn't seem that stoked about it. Big Mike then comes over and pulls Chuck away and brings him to the gumbo station. Big Mike, Jeff, and Lester say that Hannah told them that Chuck made an excellent dinner the night before, and they want Chuck's opinion on their gumbo. As Chuck taste tests the gumbo and provides uh, Big Mike with some feedback that Big Mike does not appreciate, Rafe's cell phone rings and Hannah answers it and says, Burbank, buy more, which is not, you only would say that to the phone of the, why would she say that to a, a, a cell phone? Doesn't matter. I, I assumed that she thought that it was like a thing he was testing for the buy more. Like she thought it was a company phone. Okay. You're really good at understanding Hannah in ways that I'm not. Uh, it's because Chuck, I, maybe I'm more emotionally intelligent than you. So I'm a little bit closer to her level. That sounds valid. Chuck sees this and hurries over as Hannah hangs up the phone. He asks what was going on. And she says that it was a wrong number. Someone called for a Rafe. She says that the caller was insistent that Rafe was there and said, that they would be on their way in two minutes. A customer rings the bell uh, for help at the nerd her desk. So Hannah walks away and Chuck hurries into the aisles of the store while keeping an eye on the front door. He takes some what was that screen cleaner. Yeah, something something like that. It pours it into his hair to help. achieve. His, <laughs> I laughed at it. That was funny. His slicked back Rafe look. He then steals a customer's coat. Apparently this customer took off their coat to play a demo of Wii Bowling by themselves. <laughs> Yeah. And they just they're like, oh, don't want to get too sweaty. This wee ball is going to be pretty strenuous. Better leave my jacket just on the side of the, the aisle. Yep. <laughs> Chuck now fully transformed into Rafe hurries out back. Uh, he exits the back door of the buy more and is cut off by Scotty and Maddie. Chuck starts to talk into his spy watch, but Scotty and Maddie see him and ask what he's doing with that watch. They rip it off Chuck's wrist and then stomp on it and say a badass killer like you shouldn't have such a cheap watch. They then present Chuck with a gold watch. That's nice. The gold watch doesn't really come back. It, it no, seems like it's going to come it? back. I thought it was going to keep it. And then it was going to be like, where'd you get that gold watch? And then he'd be like, uh, but I don't know. I thought it was a nice beat. Maddie yeah. asks what Chuck is doing at the buy more. And Chuck says that he was browsing music because a man has to have a hobby outside of murder, which I thought was funny. Even though he said earlier that Rafe isn't a murderer, he's an assassin. But apparently Chuck is a little inconsistent. Scotty and Maddie continue saying that they appreciate what Chuck did for them back at the restaurant. So in turn, they've done Chuck a favor and found the location of the guy he's supposed to assassinate. Who is this guy? What What is his Who name? Who is this guy? Why do they I don't keep, know. Why don't they just tell him? Why? I also, okay, this plan is also crazy because it's like the ring has hired these mobsters to hire someone else to kill a guy. Uh-huh. That doesn't make sense. I guess it's like breaking up the chain of command so the ring isn't held culpable, but it's still weird. They've never done this before. It's kind of a weird thing. Like the ring is, I guess, su- it's like supporting small business, but they're support- supporting small crime outfits. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. we're, just- <laughs> we're helping. We-, we need the help of a mom and pop uh, crime syndicate to get our I- jobs done. I guess done. so. We yep. outsource. 
elsewhere at Shaw's apartment slash hotel room. I guess it's just a similar I think it thing. Was a hotel. It's a that's hotel. A, that's a building in in uh, Hollywood. The uh, Hotel Roosevelt. Yes. Sarah arrives. She knocks on the door, and Shaw opens it, just wearing a towel. And I would like to point out that you gave me crap in the Chuck versus Operation Awesome for describing Shaw as a muscular man. Now that we see Shaw mostly naked, please say that he is a muscular man. I will say a lot about this scene. Um, my note is I didn't realize how thirsty I was for Shaw until this scene. Thank so, you. Yes, he I appreciate very, that. Very, very, very muscular. And like, I'm not saying that I screenshotted the scene of this to look at later, but I may have done that. If I did do that, then who could blame me? Because he is he looks very good. He's a good looking guy. He's yes. a muscular guy. Thank you. Yes. That's all I wanted. Sarah came to talk to Shaw, but asks if uh, he can put on some clothes first. So Shaw complies and goes to the bathroom to get dressed. And Sarah proceeds to apologize for her behavior the night before. Shaw says that an apology isn't necessary and asks her if she's okay with the whole Chuck and Hannah thing. Sarah says that isn't really the change that she's having trouble with. Meanwhile, Chuck, Scotty, and Maddie enter an apartment with a big open window and a sniper rifle set up. Chuck asks again who the mark is, and Scotty and Maddie say that he's in a hotel room across the way. Wait a second. That's the Hotel Roosevelt again. That's Shaw's hotel. <gasps> oh Scotty adds that he's got an attractive blonde girl with him, or as he describes her, a real hot piece of tail. In Scotty's professional opinion, he believes the man and the woman are about to, quote, plow, end quote. Chuck says that this is the perfect distraction and asks how he's going to see them, not noticing the massive sniper rifle that was once again set up in the window. Scotty and Maddie say that they hear that Rafe is one of only five people who can make this shot from over half a mile away, and Chuck says, Apparently, my reputation precedes me yet again. And he sits down at the rifle. And he looks into the scope and holy shit, it's Shaw and Sarah. Oh, my God. Who are talking to one another, but both cheated towards the windows. Yeah, that's why, that's how <laughs> that's how I have conversations. Always facing the window directly, even if you're talking yeah. to someone to your side. Yep. yep. <laughs> I know I'm laughing, but this is a huge reveal, you know? Sarah tells Shaw that she's worried that Chuck is changing, and the more Chuck changes, the more she wants to remember who she was before she became a spy. As Chuck listens in, she tells Shaw that she wants him to know her real name. It's, uh, Jose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, her real name is Sam, um, which I completely forgot. Do you remember that? No, I totally forgot as well. And then this yeah. kind of threw me for a loop because I'm like, now that we know her real name, do we need to refer to her by her real name? Yeah. We still refer to her as Sarah. No. Do we have to call no. her Sam? What is happening? Well, her name is Sam. I I think that's, I mean, she feels like such a Sarah to me because we've had like three seasons of her being Sarah, but like I could see her as a Sam. I don't really get that whole thing. Like when people are like, you don't really strike me as so-and-so name. I think that's kind of bullshit. The thing that I just said? Yeah, I don't really buy into it. <laughs> so you don't think like. You don't think that people like names suit people? No, I don't think so, because the names are given to babies that don't have any characteristics. And then the babies grow into human beings. And then it's like saying that, like, any name inherently has a quality to it. Well, so you know? if you look in the mirror, do you think like, <laughs> OK, Chris is now looking into a mirror. Do you think that like any name could apply to you? Yeah, if I was given that name and grew up with that being my name, if if I was named Gary and then I grew my my entire life is exactly the same. And then you'd be like, oh, you'd associate my qualities with the name Gary. And then you'd be like, oh, that's such a Gary thing. Or like, you really strike me as a Gary. And then in that alternate timeline, be like, do I strike you as a Chris? 
And you'd be like, no, you're so Gary. I couldn't see you as a crisp. It's just because we're, that's what we're conditioned to think, you know? I'm just thinking about it. I'm just thinking, like, what a, what a way to view the world. <laughs> I don't think, like, I don't know. This is another question of, like, which of us, which of our viewpoints is better? Like, I feel like it's, like, if I was writing, if I'm writing a character, like, mm-hmm. I have to decide their name yep. right, for, based on something. Like, mm-hmm. I can't just, like, I'm not just going to use a random name generator because I have to think of the qualities that the person has. So for me, like, if Chuck was named something else, like, Chuck, it just feels like a Chuck because Chuck kind of has, like, it's, like, Sarah makes fun of the name Chuck because it's, like, a little bit old-fashioned. It's got a little bit of a nerdy connotation. Like, so I feel like I look at it that way. But I also see what you're saying. I feel like it's very uh, psychologically intelligent. The mobsters, um, what are their names? Because I didn't write down their names. Scotty and Marty? Scotty and Maddie. Scotty and Maddie yell at Chuck to take the shot, but Chuck is flabbergasted as Shaw and Sarah, or Sam, begin to kiss. Chuck steps back from the sniper setup. The men ask him what the problem is, and he reveals that Shaw is kissing his on-again, off-again girlfriend. The men are oddly sympathetic and eventually point out that it's a win-win for Chuck and a lose-lose for Shaw, that the man seducing Chuck's girl is also the man he's been hired to shoot. Chuck agrees. And, like, I don't know if they're trying to play it as if, like, ah, Chuck is so mad that he could shoot Shaw. Like, I'm not really sure if that was the vibe, but, like, he does look a little pissed. Mm -hmm. At Castle, Casey is unable to contact the guards transporting Rafe. He realizes something must have gone wrong. It becomes a race against time as both Casey and Rafe, who has apparently escaped, try to track the stolen ring phone to find Chuck's location. Meanwhile, Chuck tells the men that a bullet is too good for Shaw, and he's going to go up to the hotel room and look him in the eye when he kills him. The men promise that they'll stay put with the gun to help out as needed. Unfortunately, around the time Chuck gets to Shaw's hotel room and begins fake fighting with Shaw, the real Rafe arrives at the sniper setup, shoots Maddie and Scotty, figures out where Chuck and Shaw really are, and heads to the hotel. Sarah is watching Shaw unnecessarily harshly beat up Chuck when Rafe arrives, Sarah tries to fight him, but she and Shaw are pretty quickly knocked out, so it's down to Chuck. Meanwhile, Casey arrives at the sniper setup. As something very close to the Stranger Things theme plays, Rafe picks up Sarah and tells Shaw and Chuck that he's going to make things easier for both of them by killing her. There's a gunshot, and Sarah falls! Shaw and Chuck both scream, but then Sarah opens her eyes, and we pan back to reveal Rafe with a bullet hole in his head. (sighs) Casey made the shot from half a mile away! Go Casey. I I was proud of him. That night, Chuck goes over to talk to Ellie. He says he feels like he's living a lie, and she deduces that things might be moving too fast with Hannah when Chuck's not really over Sarah. Mm. He agrees and then leaves. Like, I guess he's a busy guy and everything. He's got stuff to do, but he's just like, he doesn't even go in. Like, he doesn't even have a cup of tea. He's just like, thanks, bye. Yeah, I feel Um, like that's all their relationship has been, like, reduced to. I feel like it's harder, like, because I liked in the earlier, the early two seasons, when they've had like sibling moments, but I yeah. feel like those those moments are fewer and further between, which I guess yeah. is part of Ellie's problem. But yes, it just felt very awkward and rushed. Yeah, it did. So Chuck heads to dinner with Hannah's parents. But when he gets there, he tells he he introduces himself like he goes up and he like talks to them. And then he says that he has to talk to Hannah. Hi, my name's Chuck. Do you mind if I steal your daughter for a second? I have to uh, break up with her. Exactly. So um, he tells Hannah she deserves to be with someone who isn't lying to her. She's absolutely floored, understandably, but not totally because he chose to do this like five feet away from where her parents are sitting having dinner. She's heard that they slept together the night before and then he broke up with her immediately, which is also pretty understandable. 
She tells Chuck he's the best liar she's ever seen, and Chuck walks away sadly. I feel like, I don't know, he should, I, I understand that this is a weird situation because, like, you don't want to sit through a nice dinner with your partner's parents, like, if you know that you're going to break up with them, mm-hmm. like, later that night. But I feel like you just kind of have to, like, do it anyway. Yeah. Or, like, maybe he could have, like, texted her and said, like, hey, could you please, like, I, I can't make it. I'm not feeling well. Could I talk to you later? Or, like, text her and say, like, could you please come out and talk to me? Like, I don't know. I feel like just the way he did it was just crazy. Yeah, because then um, she'd go back and be upset with her parents. The parents would be yeah. like, we just drove here from yeah. Santa Cruz or whatever. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, back at Castle, Sarah has bought Shaw a crock pot for him to cook meals in while he's living in Castle. She also brings him some takeout. So this was this was some nice social distancing tips because she's like, Shaw, I know you can't leave Castle for a little while for, due to danger. Um, so I'm going to help you by bringing you takeout and giving you a means to make easy meals at home. So that was nice of her. Um, then they begin kissing. So that's not as good for social distancing, but it is nice for their relationship. And that is how the episode ends. But in a previous episode, they said that Shaw was basically living in Castle. So yes. he was not actually living in Castle. Because we were led oh, to believe that right. Shaw lived point, in Castle. She's in the hotel. So when he well, have like that. kitchen stuff already and access to takeout, but he's actually <sighs> yeah. been, he has the hotel point. room, but he's just been spending a lot of time at Castle. I guess maybe that's what they meant, but I like I took it to mean that he's because they said he's sleeping there. Like they yeah, said we, that at one point. Yeah, you and I both literally thought that Shaw was living in Castle. Yes, but now he's. He but now wasn't, he's. But now he is. <laughs> he wasn't, but now he is actually. Okay, so, so we were right, just like a little preemptively. We were just ahead of our time. Yes. That is Chuck season three episode eight Chuck versus the fake name Chuck versus the fake name, and there are several several fake names are getting thrown out around here. Speaking of names, I have one thing that I wanted to note from IMDb. Uh, 12 out of 15 people found this interesting, so maybe we'll be some, maybe we won't. But it's, it's, a, it's a long fact. It says, approaching his apartment for dinner, Chuck says, now everybody keep your expectations low. I'm not Chef Boyardee. Today, the Boyardee name is known for mediocre to crappy canned pasta, something cheap that a harried mother easily feeds her children. However, by 1920, Ettore Boyardee was one of the most respected chefs in the U.S. and has been chief chef at some of our most famous restaurants. When he started canning his soups, he changed the spelling of his name so Americans would pronounce it properly. So that's a fact about Chuck's uh, throwaway line about not being Chef Boyardee. How do you feel about that, Chris? Uh, Someone obviously was passionate about the history of Chef Boyardee. Yes. I don't think I've ever actually had Chef Boyardee. I don't think so either. I remember the ads. There were a lot of ads on like Nickelodeon. Huh. So maybe so they really mar- so they marketed to kids then. Yes. That's pretty smart. Yeah. But my mom was like, no, absolutely not. You're not eating that. So imagine, imagine the versions of us that watched the Power Rangers and ate Chef Boyardee. Under- I know. We would oh. be totally different. And we would have different names. And we'd be like, these are the only names that we can associate with ourselves. Yes. Yep. You'd be like, oh, that's such an Aaron thing. You'd be like, my name's not Aaron. My name's uh, Diana. Diana DeGarmo. Diana DeGarmo. Oh, I wish that was my name. That would be nice. It would also be nice if we moved into Chuck, Mary, Kill. That's a, the segment that we do on a, a weekly basis where we identify one part of this episode that we'd like to marry and one part of this episode that we'd like to kill. Aaron, I, I would love to know what you would like to marry this week. 
So I really like Chuck's Rafe voice. I know we talked about his performance as Rafe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed that. I thought that Zachary Levi did a good job. I thought the voice was funny because it towed a good line between like, it was pretty menacing, but it was also um, like funny to see Zachary Levi doing that as Chuck because we haven't seen that. I will also note that when I wrote, when I first wrote Chuck's Rafe, I wrote Chuck's face. So I guess I also would like to marry Chuck's face. <laughs> Just not as badly as you'd like to marry Brandon Routh's body. Ah, <sighs> God. I don't I don't know if Mary is the right word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What would you like to marry? Um, uh, I'm going to marry Scotty and Maddie. Okay. Yes, they're misogynistic criminals. However, I thought that they were kind of a fun, silly element to the show. Yeah, we haven't had that before. No, it was pretty heavy and serious in a lot of ways. I feel like the guest stars usually are either the villain or they're kind of like in an asset role. They're not really Mm -hmm. kind of adjacent. Mm-hmm. I feel like the episode did a good job of acknowledging mobster cliches and expectations and subverting mm-hmm. them at times while also yeah. playing into them. Some of it kind of felt a little campy and cartoony, mm-hmm. but I kind of enjoyed that they were um, just that they were they the subverting of expectations worked for me in a few instances. Like I didn't think that they were going to give them a gold watch or that they would be emotionally intelligent enough to have the conversation with chuck about his relationship and give him mm-hmm. advice i thought it was all kind of kind of nice and i was sad to see that they got i understand why they yeah. got killed off but i thought they could have also not been killed off and been yeah fine. they were nice um my kill i again i've already talked a lot about this so i don't have to go into it too much but just chuck's like the way that he broke up with hannah i thought like I I don't even think it's an ep- it's a problem with the episode. I see why they wrote it that way, but it's just like it sucked. Like I'm I'm fine with them breaking up, but like it sucked that he did it in front of her parents. Mm-hmm. What about you? I wish that they didn't use an establishing shot of the Roosevelt Hotel or Hotel Roosevelt, whichever one uh-huh. it is, yep. before mm-hmm. showing the scene with Sarah visiting Shaw's uh-huh. apartment. I feel like they could have had a different establishing shot and then alluded uh-huh. to the setting being a hotel or a famous yeah. hotel through dialogue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That way it would be even more of a reveal once Shaw is shown to be the ring's target. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think that's a good point. Um, I will say that while watching it, um, like I wasn't thinking so much about the establishing shot. Like I was just like, oh, I, I'm driven by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe they weren't, maybe some people wouldn't have put that together but i agree that it uh it could have been a lot more shocking because there's i feel like they kind of go for a little bit of dramatic irony that we know Mm. that the target is either gonna is probably gonna be shaw before chuck realizes it but i think it kind of i think the punch would have been greater if it they didn't telegraph shaw's location yes yeah even if like i don't know i don't know what they would have done but yeah i agree we're talking a lot about the chicken pepperoni here is obviously a dish, but when it comes to ranking episodes of Chuck, we use a very different kind of dish. It's called the corn dog, and the name of this scale is the scooter scale, where we rate the episode on a scale of zero to five corn dogs based on our our critical assessment. Maybe sometimes it's a little bit of just pure pleasure, a, a rating of our pleasure, of our, our brains. We use our brains and our hearts to determine this. Aaron, what was your brain and heart telling you to to rate this episode? My brain and my heart were telling me to rate it a 4.5. Yeah? 
I really enjoyed it. Um, I think 3.5 of that is just the Brandon Routh shirtless scene. But uh, sure, sure. Well, I guess not even shirtless. He was in a towel. So he was really like he was everything less. Um, but I really enjoyed this episode. I thought that, um, again, I liked Chuck's performance as Rafe. I liked um, a lot of the tension. I thought like, unlike in the last episode, I thought that the Sarah and Shaw dynamic was a lot better in this. And this was another episode where once we got to like the hotel scene with Chuck looking on from the sniper rifle, I did like remember this um, and I like I got excited. I was like, oh, I remember this being a really good episode. And it was a really good episode. So not quite perfect, but pretty close. Mm-hmm. 4.5 corn dogs. I'm going to I'm going to meet you right there and also give it 4.5. Wow. Uh, I started off and I didn't really know which direction this episode was going to go in. But uh-huh. I think aside from a few curious choices, I feel like by the third act, it really turns into a outstanding episode. I really enjoyed the theme of fake names and aliases and I how, can it was, tell. how it was used throughout the episode. Uh, I think the episode ends on an emotional note as Chuck ends his relationship with Hannah, just as Sarah doubles down on her relationship with Shaw. Like I said, I enjoyed uh, Maddie and Scotty as characters. I appreciate it. Oh, is, is the fake name also Sarah's fake name? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's so many. You can have wow, your pick. You're right. Fake there's name. a lot. Wow. Amazing. Uh, yeah, I, I also appreciated Chuck finally somewhat opening up to Ellie. I like the whole gumbo side element. <laughs> yeah, of it was weird well. and fun. I kept, I kept waiting for it to be like Rafe was going to go to the buy more and they're going to have a confrontation and he was going to get like knocked out with a crock pot full of gumbo or like, like I kept, burned. Yeah, I kept thinking that they were like building that up to be something in uh-huh. the B plot, but it really yeah. wasn't. And I kind of like that. It was just kind of silly. Yeah, I just feel really good about this episode it was a good episode the show i'm like ready for more i think it's you know this is kind of a turning point in the season because it's now like before chuck and sarah were kind of on equal footing with their new relationships Uh but sarah or chuck has abandoned his and now sarah is even more committing to yeah her new relationship and it's gonna it's gonna be dramatic there's gonna be tension i'm excited to see where it goes as am i as am i I'm also excited to see where I go once we stop recording. So, oh, okay. Well, well. (laughs) I'm getting the uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge from Aaron to wrap things up here. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) For all of us here at Go Check Yourself, my name is uh, Quintilius Southers, reminding you that food, especially chicken pepperoni, based on these photos I'm looking at, looks pretty damn good. It's sexy. Food is sexy. Uh, my name is Diana DeGarmo. That's that's what it is now. I've I've gotten a fake name of my fake name, and I am letting you know that anything is possible. We'll see you next week for more Chuck shenanigans. See you then. Bye. Thanks for listening. As always, a big thanks to the artist Hadakoa and the fine folks at freemusicarchive.org for providing us with our theme song, Warm Up. If you want to drop us a line, you can reach us at gocheckyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe to Go Check Yourself on your preferred podcast platform. New episodes come out every Monday morning and you do not want to miss a new episode. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.